welcome you back to Alger Assembly of God and our Bad Advice series. Now, for those of you who've not been with us, and, and certainly for our kids and maybe for some of our youth and some of you who maybe have missed a few weeks, we're in the midst of this series entitled Bad Advice. You see, how we live our life basically demonstrates what we believe. But unfortunately, many times we live our lives as if we are following bad advice. And what we've seen so far is that there is a very real enemy. The Bible talks about Satan, talks about the enemy, that he is here to steal and kill and destroy. I've mentioned that if he had a business card, that would be on it. So he is out to do his very best, steal, kill, and destroy, and, and do everything he can to get us away from God. So many times uh, we see bad advice that's given from the world, bad advice that's uh, temptations that's come in, and as a result, instead of following God's word, instead of following God's advice, good advice, we follow ourselves, we follow our heart, we follow what other people lead, we follow the temptations of the enemy, and it ends up being bad advice and it brings us away from God. So, so far what we've looked at is we've seen, well, how do you stray from God? How do you drift away from God? And we've seen many times we follow bad advice and we do that. We followed it up with God's word and God's advice, and we saw here's how we can grow in our walk in the Lord. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we looked at, well, how in the world do you experience a, a difficulty in your marriage, a difficulty in your relationships? And we found bad advice. Here's some things that the world had said. And we followed up with God's word, God's advice. Here's how we can strengthen. Here's how we can improve our marriage and our relationships. Last week, as we were together, we looked at, well, how in the world do you get to become an addict? How do you allow other things to creep into your walk, things that will come between you and God, things that become more important than God? In a sense, they can become kind of like an idol. And then we looked at, well, well, how do we avoid those kinds of things and make sure that God's number one in our lives? This morning, we're going to be looking at how can we become dissatisfied, not satisfied? How in the world can we follow some of that? And so here's a question that there's been a number of polls, a number of situations that people have tried to find. How much money would you need to make each year in order to truly be happy. So I don't want you to blurt it out, but I just want you to think, how much money would you need to make each year to be happy? It's an interesting question. It's actually one that a number of different studies and polls have found. One of the more recent ones from uh, the Gallup poll, they did a, a study and they found people earning $30,000 per year and less, the, the number they seemed to, to come up with was 74. So for individuals making 30000 or less, they said, if we made $74,000, life would be perfect, we would have it made. Then they, they asked some of the individuals making maybe a little bit more money, people who were making about $50,000 a year, and said, how much money would it take for you to truly become happy? The people making about $50,000 said, well, 
about 100000 If I had $100,000 a year, I'd truly be happy. Now, for kids and for young people, you're not necessarily making jobs and, and over the course of a year, but you think, what would make you happy? If I only had this, what would this be? For me, as, as I was younger as a child, this was pretty important to me. It's an antique. I'll have to explain exactly what this thing is and how you work this thing. This, this plastic rectangle with circles in the middle, it's called a cassette tape. You, you, you put this thing in, in another thing called a Walkman or a boombox. And you carry it on your shoulder with a big handle and big speakers. And you got to put lots of batteries in it and keep replacing them. Or you can plug it in. And these cassette tapes had music. You could fit about maybe five or six songs on one side of a, of a brand new one that you would get from the store. Or, or you could buy some longer ones and, and put mixtapes together. But you'd have to dub from one tape to the next. And this is what we listened to. And I would go to the Christian bookstore and I would listen to some of the brand new Christian tapes coming out. And I, I would identify, boy, if I could just buy this brand new tape, Life would be awesome because that tape sounds so cool. That band or that group or that singer or whatever it is, if I had that tape, my life would be complete. And I'd save up my money. I'd go to the Christian bookstore. I'd buy that tape. I'd put it in my Walkman. I'd put it in my boombox. And I'd play it and I'd play it and I'd play it and I'd play it. And I'd get sick of it. And I'd find another tape. And only, if only I had that tape, then my life would be complete. And as I got older, uh, they kind of did away with these, and they, they went to these square things filled with these, well, these, these round things and a square thing. They're becoming more like an old-time thing as well, a little bit of an antique. CDs. And I signed up for some of those clubs where you could get a whole bunch of CDs and, and you just pay shipping and handling. And so I found more and more bands and Christian artists. Man, if, if I just had this CD, it sounds so good. Oh, and there's another one and another one. If I had these three CDs, I would be so happy. Tapes and CDs and, and video games. This is a classic this comes from my original Nintendo. Just taking a look at the back here, this is copyrighted 1985 from the original Nintendo. This is the Super Mario Brother Duck Hunt World Class Track Meet. This is the one where you had the power pad where you would run and jump on and connect it to your Nintendo. That was like the Super Duper Edition. I thought, man, if I just had another game, I mean, I... An Atari system eventually led into a Nintendo system. And we think, man, if I just had another tape, if I had another CD, if I had another game, and then you, you come out to today, and what are we thinking? Well, if I, if I had another outfit, 
If I had that brand new pair of shoes, man, if I could get a, a brand, if I could get the, the newest iPhone, if I could get the newest Samsung Galaxy phone, if I could get the, the Xbox, if I could get the PlayStation, the newest of the new, and there's always something. So whether you're a child, whether you're a, a young person, whether you're an adult who were answering those questions at the beginning, what would you need to make to be happy? Here's what every single answer would be like. Just a little more. As an adult, what would it take for you to be happy? Well, just a little. If I just made a little more than what I'm making now, whatever that is, whatever you're making, if you had more, we think we'd, do, we'd be doing pretty good. As a teenager, as a young person, as a child, if, what would it take for me to be happy? Simply a little more. More toys, more this, more that, more clothes, more electronics, more, more, more. And so there's this idea that it takes more to satisfy. So we're going to look briefly at some bad advice on being dissatisfied. And so, again, for those of you who maybe this is kind of your first time in this series, these first number of items we go through kind of quickly, these are things we don't want to follow. Unfortunately, many times we do. That's why it's bad advice. But we want to get it out there so we know don't do these things. And then we're going to get into God's Word. So first of all, bad advice on how to be dissatisfied. Number one, be ungrateful. I mean, be really, really great at being ungrateful. The more ungrateful we are, the more it takes us away from being satisfied and content in our lives. We can gripe and whine and complain, and we can find fault wherever we go, and that will help us be dissatisfied, have a genuine spirit of ingratitude. And, and when you see other people who are blessed, tear them down. You know, if someone else has something new, tell them it'll probably break. If somebody else has something that you don't, Tell them it's probably no good anyway, and I didn't want it. Be great at becoming ungrateful. Focus on what you don't have rather than on what you do. So that's a first step, and if we follow that, unfortunately, it's going to lead to being dissatisfied. Secondly, compare yourself with others. I mean, definitely compare yourselves to people who have more than you. So, I mean, look around. Find, find kids in your class. Find young people at school. Find adults and, and families in your neighborhood. And find those who seem to have more stuff, nicer stuff, newer stuff than you do. Pretty easy to, to find, right? And so when that happens, start whining and complaining about why you don't have what they have because, well, you should have what they have. Compare yourselves to others. Pretty soon you're becoming dissatisfied. Oh, and by the way, find and watch all kinds of shows about the stuff that you don't have. You know those home shows? They're, they're curious and, and they're interesting, but just watch House Hunters all day kind of drives you crazy sometimes. You, you, you flip it on, and here's these people. They're looking, yeah, I got a budget of $1 million for my uh, summer home, my, my vacation home. Uh, 
you know, I want to spend about $1 million so I can go there a week or two out of the year. Yep, yep. You know, watch stuff like that all day, and pretty soon you're going to find yourself dissatisfied because you don't have all the stuff that apparently other people have. Compare everything, homes to cars, that you don't have what someone else has, physical bodies, marriages. Compare social media, that you don't have as many followers, you don't have as many friends. When you post a picture, you don't get as many likes as somebody else. I mean, just find anything to compare. And you're going to find someone else who's got more of it and newer of it than you do. Number three, pursue what's temporary over what's eternal. Because, I mean, life's pretty much just the stuff that we have, and it's possessions. I mean, you are what you drive, you are what you wear, you are what you have, so just focus on stuff. Focus on here and now. Tell yourself that the more that you have, the better. The bigger that you have, the better. Focus on stuff. Focus on what's temporary rather than the eternal. All of these things will, unfortunately, lead us to become dissatisfied. And then number four, to be dissatisfied, blame God. I mean, blame God for everything. It's his fault. He created you. He created me. He put me in this situation. So if I don't like it, it's God's fault. Blame him. Blame him for the fact that you're not married. Or blame him for the fact that in your marriage it's not what someone else seems to have. Blame him for what you do have or what you don't have. Doesn't matter, just blame. Blame God. Now, those are four things we don't want to follow. Those are four things that are bad advice, but unfortunately, many people do seem to follow that advice. Many people do seem to do those types of things, and it leads us to see that's what they believe because that's how they are living. So in our past handful of weeks, we've talked about drifting away from God. I mean, we know, we think that God is our source of life and strength, but yet other things seem so important, they jump in the place of God, and we begin drifting away. We've talked about destroying our marriage and, and talked about adultery and the fact that many times that can creep into our lives. I mean, we say we believe that God's created and ordained marriage. We've promised the for better or for worse when it comes to marriage. Yet sometimes something outside of God's plan comes in and individuals say, oh, this other person, this other situation looks better than what I gave my commitment to in the Lord and this spouse. And people become dissatisfied. Talked last week about becoming an addict. I mean, we say and we know that God offers peace and he's the answer for our anxiety and troubles. And yet many people find something in a bottle. Many people find something in a drug or a pill. Many people find something else that has gripped their lives, even outside of some of those main topics as we talked about last week. And what we're saying is, this life in God doesn't seem as thrilling or as exciting as what some of these other things offer. How we live reveals what we believe. So briefly, let's take a look at that scripture that we uncovered in the phrase craze game. 1 Timothy 6.6, 6, 
It says that godliness with contentment is great gain. He's talking about both there. Many times we, we look at and we want to develop godliness. We want to seek after God. We want to develop. We want to grow in God. But man, that, that word, that term contentment, that's tough. He says godliness with contentment, putting them together, that truly is great gain in our lives. So in the balance of our time, we're going to take those four things that we looked at that many times people follow as bad advice. It's often the exact opposite of what God's Word teaches. And we're going to examine God's Word, God's advice from the Bible, and examine four quick thoughts on how we truly can live content in the Lord. Number one, to be content, we must be thankful. Here's what Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16, 17, and 18. These are some short verses. Paul says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks. Now, we read those, and our initial thought is, I got this. I mean, rejoice always? We read that and go, Party! Yes, I can do that. Paul's saying, Party hard. I, I can rejoice always. Okay, Check, I check off the box. Pray continually. Okay, well, praying all the time might be kind of hard, but I can kind of twist that to just mean thinking about God. Okay, I got this. Party, think about God, and give thanks. Oh, thank you, God. I'm good. We looked at those first two words of each phrase. But verse 18, he doesn't just say give thanks. He continues. He says, give thanks in what? Give thanks a couple of times. Give thanks in some circumstances. No. He says, give thanks in all circumstances. Why? For this is God's will in Christ Jesus. Did you see that? He pulled out the big guns. He mentioned God's will, and he mentioned Jesus Christ. I mean, the only thing worse would have been if he had said something about the Holy Spirit. He'd have gotten the entire trinity in there. Oh, read verse 19. He does. He does mention the Holy Spirit. Paul's saying, give thanks in all circumstances because it's God's will. We've got to be thankful, be grateful for what we have received. Be thankful for health and finances and relationships and possessions, the things we have been given, the things we've been blessed with, the things we've be able, uh, been able to work for. Be thankful. Focus on the things we do have. Focus on what God has provided as opposed to all the other stuff that we don't. Many times we can be very, very ungrateful even as we are extremely blessed. I saw that firsthand. Most of you know, back in February, I went with a team of a total of 44 pastors and leaders from Ohio to Tanzania on kind of a ministry tour, a ministry trip, and we preached in Tanzania churches and, and sought God and prayed for what God would have us to do in Ohio. And in the midst of this, what, one of the, the things that struck me was how incredibly 
content they were to serve God without the so-called stuff that we have. I mean, how in the world are you supposed to serve God without Wi-Fi? How in the world are we supposed to serve God when it's just dirt everywhere and many Eastern-style hole-in-the-wall toilets? Not hole-in-the-wall, hole-in-the-floor. <laughs> hole-in-the-wall will be a little, a little harder. I mean, lots of dirt sidewalks and not the, the necessary access that we have to all of the uh, electric running water. I mean, without so many of the things that you and I take for granted. It's, it's where that phrase, you know, third world problems comes in. We whine and complain about stuff that many other people in the world don't even have. Oh, this internet's just so slow. Yeah, how many people in the world don't have access to internet, don't have the, the items to log on to the internet, the computers, the laptops, the cell phones, the smartphones, the tablets, the iPods, etc., etc., etc. I mean, it's amazing how many kinds of electronic devices we have, and yet we complain about our conveniences being not so convenient. Be thankful. As we are thankful for the stuff that we have, as Paul says, being thankful, giving thanks in all circumstances, in all situations. Why? It's God's will. He wants us to be thankful for the stuff we've been given, that we've, that we've gotten, that he's blessed us with, that we've worked towards, all of those things. It's God's will. Unfortunately, many times, the, the more stuff we have, we're not careful, the more ungrateful we can be. Let's be thankful. Gratitude is going to take what we have and turn it into enough. It's been said that it's not happy people who are grateful, but grateful people who are happy. I didn't write it. I didn't come up with it, but I discovered it. The great quote. It's not... Happy people that are grateful, but grateful people who are happy. So Paul writes about it. God's word teaches it. Let's be thankful. Secondly, avoid the comparison game. 2 Corinthians 10, 12 says, We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. See, the minute we start comparing ourselves to someone else, here's what we're going to find. We're always going to find somebody with newer stuff. We're always going to find somebody with nicer stuff. We're always going to find somebody with more stuff, right? No matter how many tapes I bought, there's always someone else who had more tapes. No matter how many CDs I bought, there's always someone who had more CDs. No matter how many video games I was able to find, someone always had more of them. Or, hey, they had the very newest video game system. No matter if, if I was able to, to get one pair of Nikes, someone else had two and three and four. There's always somebody that seemingly has more, newer, nicer, better. So we've got to avoid that comparison game as a child as a young person, as a young adult, as an adult, 
when we seek to compare, we end up dissatisfied because it doesn't take too long to find somebody that's got more than we do. On the flip side, it's true as well, right? There's always going to be someone seemingly that has less than we do or not as new of stuff as we do or not as nice of stuff as we do. So avoid the comparison game as we find individuals out there with more we become, you know, dissatisfied and, and, and ungrateful when we find that. Once we start comparing, we find out, oh, I've got more than them. If we're not careful, that can kind of get into a little bit of a prideful category. So skip the comparison game and understand, let's be content with how God has blessed. Number three, seek eternal treasures. See, bad advice says, Follow after and pursue the temporary, the here and now. God's word in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 and 20 encourages us with eternal treasures. This is red letters. This is Jesus speaking. He says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and, and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. See, if we're not careful, we can get caught up in all of the earthly stuff. We want more stuff, we want newer stuff, we want nicer stuff, 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 stuff. He's saying, don't worry so much about the stuff, but look at the eternal, the spiritual treasures in heaven. I remember uh, as a boy, uh, one of those, I think it was a a book fair, and then they, they had books, and they had some posters and things. And I, and I got this poster I thought was cool. I bought it because of the cars. It, this was this huge mansion that had, if I remember, you know, five or six or seven or eight garages with this cool car in each of the garage. And so I, I kind of bought it for the, for the cars, you know. And then I, I noticed the, uh, the phrase, and it's, it's still been out there, and I'm sure you've probably, many of you have seen it. It said, he who dies with the most toys wins. He who dies with the most toys wins. So what's it saying? Accumulate stuff. Go for the biggest and best house. Go for the, the biggest and best and nicest and most vehicles. I mean, fill up six or eight or ten of your garages with that. The reality is, he who dies with the most toys still dies. We don't take all of our stuff with us. And so if we're focused on the temporary, if we're focused on building up our, our resources and building up our stuff, we're going to lose out on stuff that lasts forever. Reaching people with the good news of Jesus Christ when people's lives are changed and transformed, they will be able to live in heaven as Jesus Christ has cleansed and forgiven them. That's, that's something, that's a, a treasure in heaven, being able to reach somebody and share the good news of Jesus Christ. And yet the challenge is, many times we get so focused, so narrow-focused and narrow-minded to say, I gotta accumulate, I gotta hold on to all this stuff. And we forget about investing in people. We forget about reaching people, not just for the here and now, 
but for eternity with the good news of Jesus. And he's saying, store up treasures not on earth, but treasures in heaven. That's truly what will last. Giving, supporting, reaching others, seek eternal treasures. And finally, in addition to being thankful, in addition to avoiding the comparison game, in addition to seeking eternal treasures instead of temporary, I believe we've got to trust in God. Here's what Paul writes in Philippians chapter 3, verses 11, 12, and 13. Paul writes, I'm not saying this because I am in need, but I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Let me repeat that again. Paul wrote this. This is powerful. He says, I'm not in need, but, but let me tell you what the deal is. I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Paul said, I learned it. In other words, it's not natural. Our human nature says, I'm not content no matter the circumstances. I'm only content when there's more and more and more and more stuff. Paul says, I've learned to be content no matter what. Verse 12, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, living in plenty or in want. Paul says, I've developed this contentment. I'm trusting God. How do I do this? Verse 13, I can do all this. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Paul, in, in his past, he'd been quite into titles and circumstances, accomplishments, and yet he's saying, I, I've been in a lot of challenging situations. Other places in Scripture, he's talked about all that he's been through, all that he's gone through, all that people have tried to do to, uh, to whip and to beat and to try to put him to death. He said, I've experienced all these kinds of things, but I've learned to be content. It's not, it's not something I can do in and of my own strength. I can do this through Christ who gives me strength. Know that as, as we go through our lives, as we go through our situations, it's going to be a challenge because everywhere that we turn, we're confronted with more and more stuff we don't have. You go to school and you see other kids wearing stuff you don't have, receiving stuff they don't, that you don't have. Adults, same thing. Whether it's clothes or houses or cars or stuff to put in those items, Turn on the television, and they're advertising all the stuff that you need. Got to fill your house, got to fill your life with all of these items. Your life will be complete if you have all this stuff. And yet Paul's saying, listen, whether I've got all of this stuff or not, I've learned to trust God. I've learned to be content not to be dissatisfied, but satisfied, content in Christ. Christ is not just enough. He's more than enough for you and me. God's advice, be thankful. God's advice, avoid the comparison game. God's advice, seek what is eternal instead of what's temporary. God's advice, trust him. 